Hi, everybody. This is Roy. Welcome to another Prog Report podcast interview. Rob Reed, known for his work with Magenta, has resurrected his original band called Cyan for a brand new album called For King and Country, which comes out on September 24th. I caught up with Rob to talk about the new album and more. Check it out. So good to have you on the show, man. Have you been, uh, what's been going on with you lately? Are you doing okay with, uh, you know, lockdown, quarantine? How's, how's your year oh, been? Don't, don't talk about it. Um, doing all right. I think uh, it's just it's just bonkers, really. And we, I think, I think we both got bonkers governments. So I think we're, we're in, we're in uncharted territory and uh, it's, it's a free for all over here. It's, it's back to normal. I say normal inverted commas. So gigs are happening so it's a bit of a shocker really we're all back into gig mode uh for our, i'm not sure how long that's going to last but we've you know so it's after taking a year and a half of being lazy now it's like we've got to start learning stuff and rehearsing and uh going for it really so it's just getting back into all that and uh the first show is this cyan show we've got in six weeks time so that's that's our first gig for a year and a half or two years, really. So, and, and where is the the show going to be? That's in uh, Summer's End. Uh, it's like a regular festival they have over here. They have Winter's End and Summer's End, and this is the sort of first one of these back on. And um, yeah, we we got like a couple of days rehearsal, and we're into the gig, and so it's going to be a a real sort of uh, shock to the system, I think. Um, yeah, that's that's exciting, man. So obviously we want to talk about Cyan. That's that's the main yeah. thing uh, where you have a, a album called For King and Country comes out September 24th yeah. on, on your own label and everything. Um, yeah. You know, for people that aren't aware, right, this yeah. is a project that you're revisiting after decades. Uh, but yeah. let me let you explain the whole story <laughs> and history behind <laughs> it. Well, Cyan is basically, it's the sort of story of how Magenta came around, really. It's, Cyan was a band I was in in school and, you know, in the sixth form in the sort of last year of being in school and we formed a band, recorded a demo in a local studio, four tracks on a cassette, sent it around, uh, sent it to Nick Barrett of Pendragon, who I was a fan of. Oh, he yeah. loved it. And then I sort of forgot about it, really, and got on with everything. And then about two years later, a, a Dutch company said, I've got this cassette. Have you got an album to go with it? And I was like, uh, uh, yes, not. And everyone moved away in the band. And I was left to do it on my own, really, to sing it and do it with drum machines and put the record out. It did really well. And, and then we did another two albums. I got a guy in to sing it. And then on the fourth album, what was going to be the fourth Cyan album, uh, Christina and myself, um, after being after doing like a pop thing alongside the prog thing, we had enough. And uh, I thought, what would it sound like if she sang it? And she sang it, and it sounded amazing. And Magenta was formed, but so Cyan was parked. Really, it was parked, um, left alone. We'd made these three albums, and I just went on to do twenty years of uh, Magenta. But mm. I always, I always loved the material especially on the first record. And they would say it was done with like a drum machine or me singing it. And I just thought with everything I've learned and all the technology I got, wouldn't it sound amazing if I was to re-record it? And I started doing it, put the drums down, but it sat on my hard drive because I couldn't find anybody to sing it. 
And then right. I met Pete Jones, uh, you know, of Tiger Moth Tales and Camel and everything else he done. We, he was on our label. We, we got a label set up and we look after him. And it was the obvious thing to get him to sing it. But I sort mm -hmm. of put it off because he was so busy. And I thought, oh, I didn't, didn't want to add to it. But then someone said, give him a go. He sang one track. I thought, my God, it sounds amazing. And that's how the, and the record, all of a sudden, it was like, this became a priority. And then uh, Luke Machin, who plays with me in Kiama, and Luke plays in his own band, uh, Machine, and he plays with Francis Dennery, and he's a stunning guitarist. And again, I said to him, what, do you fancy playing on it? Do all the guitars for me? He said, yeah, then it went up another level, and it just kept on going up. And we've made this record, really. And I think it's amazing. And it's, you know, we put out this 15-minute promo, which has sort of captured people's imagination. And it's, it's getting great reviews. So far, so good. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. I mean, all of it, the production, like you said, I mean, I actually hadn't heard the original version, so I'm not oh, sure don't. exactly what's <laughs> different or not. Um, which, but oh. I'll ask you about that. But just... By itself, I mean, The Sorcerer, which is the, the 50 minute opening track you're talking about, yeah. um, this is a stunning piece of work. I mean, it's just amazing. And Pete is such an amazing vocalist. He, do, he just doesn't get enough recognition for, yeah. his, for his voice in the prog world or in music world in general. He's one of the yeah. best singers in the, in the world, I, I think. Yes. It's just incredible. Oh, he's, 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 the thing is, he's one of the best singers, one of the, one of the best writers, one of the best guitarists, one of the best keyboard yeah, players. That's right. Wait, right. Let's not just say singer. He, he can play it all. Everything and, he does, uh, he, he, you know, he plays every instrument in the band better than any of us. But um, his voice, and as I said, you know, my argument all along with, with the prog scene, really, is that, you know, people forget about the singer. They think, oh, you know, as long as, long as you've got the guitars and everything's going a million miles an hour and different time signatures, we can hide the dodgy singer. And you can't. What makes it cross over and to have mass appeal? Well, you know, is a good singer. And for me, it's, the singer is everything. You know, Genesis, Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, Dave Gilmore, Pink Floyd. You've got great singers. And that's what took them above, you know, all the other bands, you know. And, uh, and that's the thing to find. And that's why I struggled with this Cyan album, because I couldn't find a singer good enough. And people were saying, oh, you know, Sons was a great singer. And I was like, yeah, no, not really. But Pete, the moment he sings it, and I think what's really good in this, see, he is really putting this melodic, lush landscape, his voice is. So it, it really works, you know. And uh, it, I, as soon as I heard it, and everyone who's heard it just said, wow, you know. It's, and the song, I said, the, the, the songs are written, some of these songs are written like 30, 40 years ago when I, I didn't care. I didn't care what people thought about it. And I would just write it for myself. And right. I think that's, that's, I've lost a bit of that really, because I'm a bit jaded and a bit battered by the old industry over 30 or 40 years. But it's, it, it comes through on it and the melodies are really strong and it's like a, such, such a positive record that it works really. And, you know, what was really nice was, you know, I, it's like a re, it is revisiting it, but it's completely reworked. You know, the first song, the original version of it, it's like eight minutes long. Now it's 15 minutes long because I've rewritten parts and added to it. And, and it's been really nice to sort of revisit it and think, oh, that part could have been a be be bit better. Oh, that's a bit dodgy. And 
everything has had a chance to sort of uh, develop. And as soon as I heard Pete singing, I thought, oh, I've got to have more singing, you know, I can, I can do this, more guitars. So it's really, it's all, you know, it's almost like a new record completely. And people, not many people have heard the original, but those who have can't believe, you know, how, how, how different it is, really. Um, when you first had the idea to revisit it, what yeah. what brought that on? I mean, were you, is it something that you stumbled upon listening to again by accident, or, or was it a, an idea you've been really thinking about for a long time? It's, it, it, I've always had the sort of, I've had them there, you know, and every so often I would play the original album, I'd play a bit of it. And I got such a fondness for those tracks. And I, you know, I, until Pete sang it, it, it wasn't really a, a major thing to do, really. It's always been there, and I've been picking away at it. And I've tried, I did try various singers on it, and I'd do a bit of work on it, then it'd go away because I was so busy with the magenta stuff and everything else. But they say Pete singing on it transformed it, and it all came together then, you know. And, uh, but it's been, I just love hearing the tracks with all the modern, all my new, you know, when I when I did it originally, it was on a cassette-based eight-track with a dodgy drum machine. I could hardly play the guitar. My singing is dreadful on it. And now it's like, whoa, it's like it's going through a filter and it's like, it's gone, it's like widescreen now, you know, it's like 4K widescreen compared to this little VHS. So That's great. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different styles on it too. It's It's not, you know, the first song is sort of, epic symphonic prog mm. type of thing uh, but then the right the song right after is is call me which is mm. very much a, almost like a pop song yeah and and very memorable great hook um yeah, i yeah. defy the sun is also also like that just really yeah. great chorus i mean is that is that where your head was back then was was writing or or are are these songs newly changed to sound like, that way for today no, no they, were, they were they were written that because at the time you know, I, and well, it's still still the same now. I love prog as in the classic sort of Genesis, yes, Renaissance. That's my prog, really. I don't really listen to much modern prog, and I don't listen to you know out of my hundred percent of listening to music outside doing it, I listen to about ten percent prog and ninety percent not prog. I listen to ABBA and ELO and Supertramp and you know modern stuff. You know, I. I don't because I because I'm doing it all day. The last thing I want to hear when I come home is is a Genesis record or a Pink Floyd record. It's yeah. like I like to put on like uh, like the two new Bruce Springsteen albums. I love them because they're, they're great songs. And I've always been a songwriter. In the end, it's about the song. And to be honest, I don't know if it's cheating or whatever. But I, I it's just it's still the same with with Genesis and with Pink Floyd. They both, especially Genesis, they would take like three or four pop songs. You listen to Supper's Ready. It's basically six songs sewn together. Do you know what I mean? And each of them are like, are like these mini pop songs. And that's all I do is I, I write the song first, then I think, right, let's make a, a big widdly middle section on it, and let's have a big guitar solo on the end. And all of a sudden, you've got an epic. But at the heart of it, you've got a verse, a bridge which builds up, and then it falls into the chorus. It's just classic songwriting. And that's where right. I come from. And then going back to those songs like Call Me and I Divide the Sun, they are. You, you've got a verse, then you've got a bridge, and then it falls into a chorus, and it comes around a second time, and you can sing along to it. And then in the middle, you've got all the the big guitar solos. It's just classic songwriting. I think I, I can't avoid that, and I think that's why 
again, that's why he works so well. And that's why Magenta, to some extent, lands because it's uh, it's a songwriting thing. It's not, you know, it's just a, it's just a load of songs sewn together into an epic. And that's right. that's that, that <laughs> rather than going, let's make like a, a 15 minute track where it, you go everywhere but nowhere twice. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> when I listen to so much stuff and my producer, the people's stuff, I go, you know, where's the hook? Where can I sing along? Where's the bit which comes around the second you time? You still got to have a chorus somewhere in there, right? I yeah. mean, that's the bottom line. And and some of my favorite prog bands are really the ones where I get, you know, I get the uh, the shreddy stuff mm. in there. But then nice. they throw in there the, a four minute ballad or a pop song or something in the middle. And so that's part of the fun of it is that you get this kind of mix of stuff. If it's all like you're saying, just go, 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 you know, the whole time, it, it you, oh. eventually you can drone out sometimes, so. You get, lo- you get lost in it, and, you know, and you, those three bands I mentioned, ELO, Arbor, and Supertramp, they're the kings, the kings are right in the hooks, yeah. you know, for me, it's like, oh, the production again, you know, and all the little, little bits and bobs, they're like mini prog epics, some of the ELO stuff in particular, and that's well, ELO's the always been, for, I've, People that have heard the podcast know that's one of my all-time favorite bands, and yeah. I'm a huge Def Lynn fan. But I, but I equally love Supertramp, and and oh, you know every time record. I go back and I listen to like an album like Crime of the Century, I'm I'm blown away again every time I listen to it. It is such an insanely good album. It's crazy. It's because because it, the songs are so good. You if you've got a good song, you, you can get away with murder in the production. Go different places. But if it, if it, it's got to come back to the song, and that's that's the hard bit. That's the hard bit, just to write those memorable hooks and you know all the Genesis stuff. They're all hooks. Right back to the early stuff, there was always a hook in there. You know, I know what I like and stuff. You know, it's it's a hook in there. Uh, Ripples, Trick of the Tail. It's just full of great songs. You know, and that's that's what that's what makes the bands cross over. Bands like Marillion, because they can write a good hook. You know, and uh, and I saw any band that you know that we signed to the labor or I look after, you know, and they send me stuff and I go, Where's the hook? I'm always saying, you know, I'll say to them, Just just cut in a hook. I can, you know, you got the verse, you tell the story, where's the hook? Just cut it in, you know. But um, <laughs> but that's that's the art of it. You can start with that, that's the basis. As long as you've got that, you can get away with it. And that that's what when I was doing the Cyan stuff, I was like a massive It Bites fan. And Genesis and it bites through my two big bands, you know, and, and they were they were they were pop prog really. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what comes across well. on the record. Yeah, what was uh, you know, something that maybe surprised you when going back and saying, okay, I'm going to start recording this? Was there, you know, lyrics that you thought were you know were were funny or sounds that were funny or something more difficult to play? I mean, was there something in there that you you were like, oh, I didn't I don't remember this. Well, well, yeah. The thing is, it was lots of again. It's, like, it's the innocence of it, of the writing. I thought was really good. It was some basic stuff in it. I didn't know about you know the pop format and stuff, and the lyrics, which my brother wrote a lot of the uh, lyrics. Again, they were about wizards and all that kind of stuff, and Lord of the Rings and and Merlin. Hmm. And now you're like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do it. And and when I finished this album i was really worried at what people would think and especially of the sorcerer track i thought this is either gonna bomb and people are gonna go oh this is everything i hate about prog or they're gonna say like me 
this is everything I love about prog, but was but, but was scared to admit it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and when it came, and that's what it came up, people were saying, you know, the, below the video were saying, oh, it's great to hear this, this style. And I think it's been lost a bit, you know, I think, I, I look around and I think, I, I look at the sort of landscape of the bands that are being punted in magazines and stuff. And I think a lot of it, I go, wow, this, this is not what I think as prog. I know there's a big argument, what is prog? But it's like, you know, that, I think that well, that's heavy metal or that's indie. Prog was always about this melodic stuff that would take you on a journey and all that kind of stuff, you know, and a lot of it. That's a long argument. I mean, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of bands that now adopt the word prog. You know, prog 10 years ago was like a bad word. No one wanted oh, to be thinking. called prog. And now everybody wants to be called prog. Every because job, no, <laughs> because it's, uh, it's an audience and there's, you there's know, an audience. you can sell some records. <laughs> Yeah, with a disposable income, and everyone's jumping in, and I think, like, oh, but and that's why I think I I love the fact that this record's coming out, and I I love the reaction because all those bands, especially you know, there's there's a load of sort of bands that make this kind of music, and they're all getting pushed out of the way by this sort of deluge of bands which are not true to what i what i like more than anything is you know everyone can say you know what is truly progressive or you know or that that boring argument but i just love great songs and the colors and the production and all that kind of cinematic stuff you know that you had on a genesis record or a camel record and that's 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 what i love and that's what i want to hear and i think this record is is doing what i hoped it did is connecting to people who are going, yeah, let's let's bring it on. Let's let's have this color. Yeah, and sometimes just be unapologetic about it, right? And just say, hey, oh. we're, we're doing a fifty-minute song with synth solos about sorcerers, and yes, have it, have and, at it. <laughs> oh, no, it. it is, and it's, no, it's a great and it's a great yeah. song, and I love the ending. It really, it kind of has a, a great lifting yeah. ending at the end, like a, like telling a story. It's fantastic. I really mm -hmm. hope people give it a chance and and check it out. It's one. Yeah. It's, really one of my favorite songs right now um what else are you working on you got a number of projects you know magenta we oh. haven't heard from in a bit i know something might be happening there what what's going on that yep. you can tell us oh there's, there's always stuff I, I look at my sort of schedule for the next six months and i'm like how am i gonna do all this kind of stuff but i say the cyan album that's that's coming out as i said the uh, next month that's all done it's been pressed so I move on now. My next one is, is is the solo albums, the Sanctuary series of solo albums I do. We got, uh, there's two of them coming out because uh, it was it was too long. It was like about a hundred minutes, the whole thing. And I thought what would be really nice is to release one of a 12 week gap and then release part two. You wouldn't have to wait. You could really get into the first half, enjoy it and then release the second one. So that'll be coming out. In the next couple of months so that's that sort of style and then magenta we've just been in um we've just been in real world studio peter gabriel's studio in bath and we it's a bit it's a bit of a mad story where we were we were left some money by a fan uh, one of our sort of magenta hardcore fans comes to all the gigs he died last year and it was really sad but he left us some money to go and to make a record basically wow. and it was um it was it was so so amazing that is wild. And so we we've gone and we've written like three tracks an ep and we went in and we had the sort of residential studio in peter gable's place 
set up like a band, done these tracks, and they've come out really good. And we're going to release like an EP, and to sort of commemorate this guy. And it was just an amazing thing, and it, and it shows. And I think sometimes bands, they're always moaning, and they moan about fans or this and that and that kind of stuff. But the, but we don't realise how how much the music means to people, and this this really showed to us how much it meant to him, the band, you know, and uh, and that's it was just it was just amazing. And I think we we're really lucky, and I'm really lucky when I look at being able to do music um, full time. You know, and I, I look at that and I just think it's it's just amazing that um, that the fans are prepared to do. You know, for me, it, it, it's uh, it's almost like a sort of contract between the fans and myself that they support me and I will put everything financially that they give me back into making a record to make the best records I can, really. And it's it's just a two way thing, and it's it's I'm really lucky with it. And I think you just you battle to keep the quality. You don't scrimp on recording the production values, videos, everything. Because I, you know, it, they're giving me the hard-earned cash, and then I'm giving them all my time and everything I can do. And it's I, I, it's so lucky to be in that position. And it's, I say it, it rarely happens outside the prog circuit, you know, and that's where we're lucky with that's the fans, yeah. you know. So no, it's very much a very community driven yeah. thing you have a lot of bands you know big big train has their group the passengers that they call yeah, yeah. support them and you got all so, these other the marillion people that follow them from country yeah. to country on the weekends that they do and yeah uh, it's it's a great thing when I mean, you pick your you pick your sort of avenue the bands you like and and yeah. and everybody's able to to produce amazing music yeah. it's an amazing time as a prog fan really i mean so much good music's coming out it's hard to keep up with it all <laughs> i mean it how is, much of it not. do you listen to from newer bands you even have, oh, have time to keep up i don't I, I i this is it i think as i said it's nice i i sort of i clean my musical palette when i come home by playing other stuff so i i, yeah. I don't really listen to it you know a video might come up on youtube and i'll hear something you know i go oh yeah that, that's really good whatever but and also, I, I perhaps I don't want to be influenced by anything as well. I, I don't like to sort of see or hear, so that I just do my own thing and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, but there are some great, you know, there, there are some really good stuff. And we run this label, this uh, White Knight label, which looks after Pete and all his solo stuff. And we sign a couple of bands here and there. And it's, that that's really nice to do as well, because we, you know, we sort of A and R it and go out looking for melodic bands, and we give them the most. Re- ridiculously uh artist based record deal as well it's it's, right, it's one right. of the worst sort of um financially set up deals ever because it's so in the band's favor because i we were so, <laughs> right. we were so, i'm so sick of seeing bands spending all their hard cash making a record they go to a record label the record label does hardly anything and only gives them like 10 percent of the of the record sales it's insane because they don't really do much work the record label so we switch it completely around the opposite way. We look after the band. We we help them with the pressing, the videos, all this kind of stuff. Make sure it's all done to the highest thing, and we give them ninety percent of the the record sales. And I I, I just that's amazing. You know, it's just I, I like doing it because it, it sticks two fingers up to all the 
oh the the band uh, the labels are screwed the the band so but uh, but I'm lucky I, just, I say I'm my own, I've got my own label so and, and that's good and bad really you know right well it's, it's all the work. work how did yeah. you hook up with Pete I wonder I meant to ask you about that where did you well it was through it was through say through the label somebody sent me oh god somebody sent me um uh, a demo of Pete's album um I don't know how we got hold of it. And he just sent me a demo of the first album he made, the solo album. And he had no connection with any prog things at this point. He'd done like a talent show in the UK, one of these yeah, pop idol things. Yeah, yeah. He did that, and he got into he got he was on TV and stuff. And I, I vaguely remembered it. And he sent me this this guy. He just sent me. So listen to this. I, I came across this this album, and I played it. And I was like, my God, this guy's voice is stunning. And I said, right, okay, we look after him. We put him on the label, and we'll guide him. And he and sort of met up with him, and and sort of, and he had no idea that there was a progressive rock scene, nothing whatsoever. He just he done his sort of pop stuff and all this kind of thing, but he loved like Phil Collins and Steve Hackett, and he made this record in his house. And we just said, I said, Pete, there's there's a whole world of you that would love and eat this stuff up. And we pressed the first record and people were just blown because of the voice and we shot a couple of videos and then he did a couple of gigs and then people were just blown away by it and so that's be, it's been like oh, about eight years i think about seven or eight years really of, of uh steering him through the pitfalls of, the, of you know trying to help him with it and guide him and we always have like not arguments. We always have discussions about his record. When it, when he sends me the record, he go, he'll say, "Oh, you're gonna love this record." Apart from track seven, because I know you'll hate it. <laughs> he's got like a really strange, well, not a strange. He's got his own sense of humor on some of his records, and I'm like, I don't do humor on records because he, he loves like Steve Hackett, where Steve Hackett would do like Spectrum Morning's album, and you play it along, and then you'd have this crazy track on it. Steve Hackett always put a really weird, comical out track on it, and I go, "Oh no, you can't do that." So me and Pete would have loads of argument, arguments. We go, you can't do that, Pete. You're spoiling the record. Yeah, it's my record. And I go, oh. <laughs> so we just sort of build up this, build up this sort of uh, relationship. And he's guested on a couple of shows with us with Magenta. He'd turn up and play sax and steal the show normally, you know. And then, um, and then say, I just, it was just, I was just forced into giving him a try singing this cyan stuff, really. Because he does so much stuff, and I, from a label point of view, I'm trying to get him not to sing on everyone's records because he's so nice, and he'll say yes to everyone. He go, "Oh yeah, I'll do it." And I say, "I'm saying like Pete, your vocal is so, it's everything to you, and this is why you you very rarely see like Steve Hogarth or Stephen Wilson singing on someone else's record. You know, they might play piano or guitar or whatever, and it." It's okay to play guitar on, on a million bands records or on you know on various records, but the vocal is so it's so special. I think I'm like, don't share it, don't share it, you know, keep it. Because right. the more you share it, you you lose, you 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 sort of dilute it. So at the moment I'm trying to stop him and he won't say no. You know, he's he's so kind <laughs> to him. Yeah, I'll, I'm like Blame us, blame the record label. Tell him you can't do it, you know, and so trying to rein it <laughs> well, in. I'll tell you, you know, he did, uh, uh, he did that track for us on the Prague From Home concert we did a year ago. 
And I have to tell you, that was the video from all the three hours of performances we had that got by far the most response from everybody that either they weren't familiar with him or whatever. They yep. all went, oh, my goodness, that had me in tears. That was yep. amazing. It really was stunning. Oh, he's just, oh, because we shot um, like a live, uh, God, what do we do? Him and just him playing a grand piano, basically, for 40 minutes, did it. We filmed it and I was in the room filming it and it's just effortless. I was watching his hands. I was thinking, hey, I don't know what I don't know what chords you're playing, but it was amazing and it was flawless. It wasn't a mistake or not on the piano nor in the voice. And he was like, Yeah, that's it, thank you very much. And he's he's so <laughs> gifted, great. so gifted. It's amazing. You know, so but then with the Cyan project, what well, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to thinking, right, we got I write. Pete writes, Luke writes, so it would be really nice to do a record where we're all writing as well. Do you, I mean, do you think there'll, there'll be a follow-up that's that's sort of fresh with some new material? Yeah. Is, that, is that the plan? Well, I think so. We've got, I've got another two Cyan albums that we haven't touched sort of thing, but were done, you know, back in the day. And so there's some great songs on there. I'm thinking, God, with this lineup, it would sound amazing. You know, I, I was really finding my feet as a songwriter. So they are sitting there. But also, I've spoken to Pete and to Luke, and I said, look, it would be great if he could write a couple of tracks each and, and sort of cross-pollinate the tracks. It's a cool idea. And it's yeah. completely fresh, and I think, yeah, it's just fitting it in the schedule. But so right. this, this live show, that's, that's what's frightening. We're all, <laughs> we're all like panicking because we've got like six weeks and we've got to play the whole album, basically. Well, good luck. It's exciting that to even play a show. It's got to be, a, gotta be great for you guys. Yes. Um, so Cyan for King and Country comes out September 24th. Uh, where What's the website we can send people to? I think that the, the, the easiest way to get is on the Magenta shop, which is, uh, well, it's, it's not Magenta, it's the, the Tiger Moth. So it's www.tigermothshop.co.uk. That's the way you go to. You go to tigermothshop.co.uk. It's got everything on it, all the Magenta, awesome. Cyan, sort of stuff. Cool. Got to check out that record, pick it up. Uh, thank you, sir. Good catching okay. up. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. All right, buddy. Thanks to Rob for the interview. The Cyan album for King and Country is out on September 24th. We're going to play a little bit from the opening track, The Sorcerer, on the way out. For upcoming news, interviews, reviews, and more, please check progreport.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can download the podcast on all our podcast networks. And for special episodes, check out YouTube. See you soon. Thanks.
Imagine all your dreams come true 